the weather. It can be very unpredictable, but it's 100% likely to screw up your day. From being caught in the rain while air crew sits nice and cozy in the cockpit to eyebrows roasting on a summer tarmac. Nature has a particular hatred for you and your maintenance activities. This is Mother Nature Hates You, and here's why. Hey, MVP, you remember when you were a kid and you just look out the window and you see that it's just shitty outside and you and you can think to yourself, like, today is going to be a great day. Do you understand you know what I mean? Yeah, when I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, because you, you know when the weather's crappy outside, s- school's likely to get canceled. Your dad's not going to make you go work outside in the yard or whatever the case may be. So... Crappy weather is like sit back and chill weather. Well, you didn't know my dad. Uh, crappy weather didn't stop us, but I also grew up on a farm, so uh, it didn't matter come come rain or shine or sleet or snow. True. Still so out there doing work, but uh, but, but yeah. B- besides that, too, I grew up in an area where we did get a lot of snow. So one thing in the wintertime when you woke up and saw that fresh uh, powder outside, you put on the radio and like, all right, school's canceled. Come on, big money, big money. <laughs> right or Nowadays, it's all about Netflix and chill. Now, there, people have different ideas of what it means to Netflix and chill. But you, you know right off the bat, it's mostly due to shitty weather outside. Like, hey, there's nowhere to go. Netflix and chill. Hulu and Hang, HBO Max and whatever, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel that all changed the moment I started working on airplanes. Like, it's shitty weather outside. I'm still working outside. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be sleeting. It could be freezing rain. It could be an F5 tornado. And here I am still sitting on the line watching this plane spin for however long it's been spinning, praying to the weather god that they move their weather out. And I can actually go inside and stop getting wet. Yeah, it never never fails. You're sitting out there and they're sitting there with the props turning or engines turning, idling. And what do they tell you? Oh, we're just waiting on the weather to clear up a little bit. Great. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting hailed on here. So, uh, you know, could you guys like make a decision, either get the hell out or uh, shut it down? Yeah. And then, so they sit there for two hours and then the engine spool down and they're like, Oh yeah, we're just going to go ahead and cancel. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Oh, 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 by the way, uh, we got a, uh, a, uh, engine temp sensor warning on engine number one. So, uh, good luck. And they give you the old double finger guns as they head back to the FBO. You're like, son of a bitch, man. Or here's another one is similar story, right? You're sitting there, you're getting wet, you're getting held on, whatever the case may be, whatever the weather is just decides to dish the hate on you. And the air crew is just sitting there nice and comfy, just lollygagging, loving life because they're in their heat controlled little cockpit. And then they start to spool down because you're thinking they're going to cancel. And then they peek their heads out and look at you like, hey, man, before we take off, can you go get us some coffee? Oh, I've literally had that happen. Literally had that happen. You're sitting there. It's I, I don't remember where I was at. I think I was in. Uh, I was in Minnesota somewhere, but it was February. Same thing. It was like starting to sleep and you're sitting there in a jet and you're like, I just need you to take taxi out and take off so I can get the hell out of here and go to the hotel. So I can get warm because I'm soaked from head to toe. And I, I, I think I'm like, what was that movie with Billy Madison where he uh, where his foot froze? Oh, Mr. Deeds. Yeah. I was starting to turn to like Mr. Deeds, you know, 
black black foot and a black foot yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and so same thing you see the you hear one you hear the number uh number one engine shut down because that's on the side by the entry door that jet you know and you're like oh here we go here we go something broke great i'm gonna be out here even longer and sure enough the, the main cabin entry door opens out pops ahead pilot waves for you to come over to the aircraft walk over hey what's going on something break what you know can, what do i need to look at oh uh, nothing everything's fine i just shut down the engine so it would be a little quieter on this side um but uh would you be uh be a sport and run inside the fbo and get us a a couple of fresh cups of coffee Oh, you wait, son of- wait, who the hell do you think you are? Son Heck, of a bitch. Oh, I'll get your coffee. Gonna- I'll get your cream or cream and sugar. Uh, yeah, two cream, two sugar. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Black well, coffee it is. It's going to be cream, all right? It ain't going to be what you're looking for, though. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then I brought it back out. And then I brought it back out. And they're like, hey, uh, could you give us a couple ice cubes to cool it down? How nice flight, sir. And as I slam the door shut, I'm like, I ain't getting you shit the hell out of you're, here. You're lucky I didn't just walk off the line and like cancel your flight. Uh, so uh, a, another story to that effect is I was deployed on the ship. Um, it was a LHD or LHA, I can't remember. Anyway. Well, what's, that st- what's that stand for? So I'm not prior military. I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure what the I think it's more of a class than what it stands for. Long mm. Any, uh, any naval people out there uh, who who know their nautical terms, uh, hit us up. Let us I know. I know I'm I'm being a total embarrassment right now. All I know is LHA is is an amphibious ship, and that's for where Marines uh, get stationed on when they're about to go raid beaches and whatnot. Anyway, so we're going through some flight ops. It's pouring rain and stuff, and we have to have these these flotation vests on in case like you get blown off the side and crash into the water. It was okay. raining, raining so hard that our flotation vests uh, inflated. They popped and they inflated. So here you see like a bunch of people just like like popping like like little flowers. Just boop, boop, boop. <laughs> They're all turning into <laughs> <laughs> got a bu- got a bunch of got a bunch of Orville Redenbachers on the on the ra- on the uh, flight deck just popping off. <laughs> that's that's literally what it is like a human popcorn. Pop, 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 pop. I didn't realize that those vests that if it rained hard enough on them, it would they would pop. Like, yes. I guess so. They think that they're uh, somebody's in the water. Jeez, that's crazy. So yeah. So how the vests work is there. It's kind of like the ones on a on a commercial airplane. You know, you have a straw where you can blow into it and inflate it that way, or it has like these pull tabs where mm-hmm. if you you pull it and it pops a cartridge and it inflates. This one, it has a, right where the same place where the the pull string is. There's this little pill about the size of a of a Claritin pill that, quote unquote, is only supposed to dissolve and pop when salt water hits it. But well, I guess you got to think if you're over the ocean, right? There's going to be some salt in the air. So as that rain's coming down, it's picking up some of the salt in the air. And right, I, I right. Guess I can see how it and that's exactly what happened. You know, it, it rained so much that there's enough salt in the air, or where to have you made those pills dissolve. And when the pills dissolve, it po- it pops the pin, pops the sh- pops the the vest, and then here we go, looking at little Kirby's on on the flight deck. Just <laughs> <laughs> I could just I could. It seems like a Family Guy episode. Just pop, 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 pop. Absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I gotta go fix the aircraft. Or um, like Finding Nemo with that that uh porcupine oh, puffer fish. fish. <laughs> the puffer fish, yeah. <laughs> no, my meat just gotta deflate myself. Uh, little hope over here. So. I had no idea. Yeah, so I had no idea that those vests had those pills and stuff in there that 
that dissolved. Uh, Shoreline, did you know that? I did not. Uh, that that is new to me. That yeah. is uh, sounds like some fun merch ideas, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get, hey, hey, pick up this shirt. It's got an inflate in case you're out on a boat. It falls in water. It's got a built-in inflatable uh, inflatable vest for you to keep you safe. <laughs> or you know, if you're close enough to the ocean. <laughs> Another feature of these vests is it has like this this uh, dye packet. And I think you see it in Top Gun when Maverick and Goose go in the water and you see like this big green stuff in the water. Oh, so they, it'll put out like a, like a trail so uh, Search and Rescue can try to find right, you a little easier? Right. It, okay. It's easier to see dark green uh, amongst dark blue or something like that. Interesting. There's this rumor that the, this same dye attracts sharks. So, I mean, I hope that's not true because <laughs> I kind of ride my life on this flow code and even more so that now I'm turning into shark bait. <laughs> yeah, well, you, uh, you you survive the fall off the ship, and you survive drowning. Uh, but you know we can't guarantee uh, can't guarantee you. you're not considered chum in the waters. Now entering boss level. Marines, Marines are friends, not food. Hi, <laughs> friend. Hi, friend. No, eat me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys always talk about crayons. You just pull out your crayons out of your pocket and start throwing out the shark. Eat this. <laughs> Eat this, you bastard. Leave it's me alone. good for you, man. I swear. Protein. <laughs> Protein. Not me. Bad The protein. red ones taste the best. They're strawberries. <laughs> I, I can recall this, this one time on the line where it's just raining so hard. And you just, you think to yourself, like, there's no way in heck that we're going to be flying at all today. There's, there's no way. Why would we want to go flying right now? Like, visibility is zero. Wind capacity is probably in the thousands. It's basically trash like it's totally unsafe and yet they sit there like like they're just thinking it's gonna blow away like oh yeah you look at the weather forecast and it's calling the next six hours as being complete trash weather and you're like oh well we're gonna we're gonna go on hold and just uh it'll, it'll clear up and you're like cool but uh don't you guys what time does the air crew turn into pumpkins don't you guys have some crew rest you got to be concerned about yeah we're gonna hold it up right until uh right until about 10 minutes before we turn into pumpkins we'll cancel it then and then, uh, oh, by the way, here's some uh, overdue maintenance or we broke this while we were sitting in there messing around, waiting on weather to clear away. So not only, now maintenance has been sitting out there for 12 hours waiting on that thing to take off just to find out that they get to work a little OT that day or that night to uh, make the flight for that same uh, high-ranking official and or high-paying customer and or your boss says you're going to stay there and work. Right. We, they treat it the same level as like um, a rental car, you know, like you get the rentals, you know, you notice how some people, they're the, the safest drivers in the world and they get in a rental car with the rental insurance and all of a sudden they turn into dis- demolition derby drivers, you know, they're like cra- crashing into things, doing jumps. Oh yeah, they turn into Ken Block from Jim Connor, tearing <laughs> up the street of Los Angeles, just that thing's hitting the rev limiter everywhere it goes. <laughs> You know, you, uh, I'm a, I can hit that jump during like Duke's a hazard. Right, I'm just going <laughs> to hit this real quick. And then after you wreck the car, you go, over, you go to the rental car desk and just drop the keys. Like, thanks for your time. Yeah. People go out I'm of their way away now. Like in the Midwest where I grew up, pe- people will go out of their way in a rental car. Oh, look at that deer. Da-da-da. Smash and take it back. Like what, what happened? Oh, there was a, there was a, uh, I hit a bush. <laughs> really? A bush, uh, smashing the whole front end of this vehicle what's, yeah. a bush? what's it what's a what's this fur from there may or may not have been a dog in the bush <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those rare furry bushes damn it <laughs> not that kind of bush but it's one of those furry ones 
yeah. Are you sure it was a bush or was it a tree? <laughs> I mean, tree bush. It's, it's both uh, got branches and leaves. Yeah, trees got bush too. There's there's fir trees, right? Yeah, yeah, fir trees. Fir, there you go, fir tree. Shoreline in with the wind. Fir trees, <laughs> fir you know. Trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, not th- not that kind of fir, all right. But yeah, same. It brings similar. a different meaning to dogwood. Similar but different. <laughs> you know what's the best though is when it's winter time and you're in a place that actually gets snow. That's when you see some wild stuff on the flight line. That's when you see like everyone breaks out their inner kid. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, Oh yeah. You're using support equipment as sleds. Yes. <laughs> you're trying to ice skate across the ramp to your aircraft, uh, while carrying some cans of oil or whatever else on them to slip and break your tailbone. <laughs> I broke my ass, but here's your oil. <laughs> or, um, I've seen some that they've never been anywhere that has snow. And then they start seeing it on the flight line. They immediately turn the kids and they drop on the flight deck in the middle of the flight deck and just start making all kinds of dumb stuff like snow angels, little um, snow walls for a snowball fight and things yeah. like that. Snowball. Yeah. And then they, they throw snowball fights, but some asshole always takes a piece of broken tarmac and wraps snow around it. <laughs> you get literally hit, hit with a snow covered fucking brick. And of course there's the inevitable, there's the inevitable, there's that one guy who takes the, uh, support truck and or just uses himself and draws one giant dick <laughs> on the flight line so as aircraft are flying overhead you look down and in the snow there's a giant dick you know i've never heard of something like that i've i've heard about that that one pilot who drew a dick in the sky but drawing a dick on oh the flight yeah line. yeah naval pilot down in san diego yeah <laughs> people were losing their minds there's a dick in the sky <laughs> who put a dick in the sky <laughs> oh god i don't know <laughs> I think he meant to draw a middle finger, but it just ended up being a dick. <laughs> yeah, I probably started off that way and he got bored. Ah, here you go. Here's a dick for you. <laughs> have a nice, have a nice Tuesday. <laughs> uh, ultimate dick pick for the win, right? <laughs> the first time I've ever seen snow, believe it or not, was actually in a desert. And well, it's a little desert, you know. You guys might know it. It's somewhere in Iraq. Anyway, really, it's snow. It's snow well, in Iraq. I didn't. I've, I had no idea it would snow in Iraq. Yeah, and all kinds of weather in Iraq. That place is like the land of weather miracles. I swear. I mean, I mean, where we currently live, like it, it can snow, right? We live in a desert here, but I mean, we're at three thousand foot elevation. So, like, I know my first year when I moved from uh, from east out out west, we got a foot and a half of snow here in the in the in this desert, and it shut everything down because nobody out here knows how to drive in it. <laughs> but, uh, I was in a 1991 Toyota Celica and uh, kind of like the people with the uh, extra insurance on that rental car, I was driving it like I stole it. So, <laughs> but I grew up driving it, but that's crazy. So, so the first time you ever saw snow anywhere was in Iraq, which you wouldn't think it would snow. I was that in the North had to be in the Northern end of the country. Yeah. What, 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 what was the closest village or city or, uh let's see the closest villages that i know that was near me was rupa somewhere close somewhere by the syrian border i think that's where we were anyway oh, way up there yeah anyway so it's snowing we're all freaking out like oh my god snow and we of course we start doing all kinds of dumb shit you know like we make snow we have snowball fights we start doing snow angels on the flight line and what have you but we didn't realize the snow was coming 
until it was already on us. And I remember the, the very first morning when it started snowing, we were in our little hoopty ass tents and somebody opens the tent door and he goes, it's snowing. Now I'm thinking deserts, desert and snow don't mix. So I'm expecting maybe like little fuzzies in the air, like stuff you see when someone like slams shut the grill door too fast. You see or, a like, or, or like pollen in the East coast, you know, when it, in, yeah. the, in the spring, you're like, hey, is it snowing? No, it's just pollen. That's why I yeah. can't breathe today. Yeah. Or, or like a cloud of mosquitoes, you know, just something like that. And then I, so I, I go outside to see it and it's white everywhere. Picture a desert, but it's just solid white. I'm like, wow. That's crazy. Where, where are we? <laughs> and to top it all off, we had some aircraft that were on the line that were just torn to shreds, just panels open, gearboxes open, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then it snowed. So this thing turned into a, a snow covered pile of shit. so imagine an aircraft right that's torn half to pieces like like they're about to do a major overhaul and then Uh let's throw some let's cover it in like make it look like the worst snow cone you could ever see in your life you know like so so because it snowed over the exposed uh aircraft did you guys have to do like a massive uh corrosion inspection prior to putting everything back together yes absolutely with heat guns melting everything compressed air blowing all the crevices out from any moisture oh my god absolutely and and we're trying to do this while it was still cold i I don't know how that works but whatever you know (laughs) i can't shovel out the engine bay sir (laughs) i'm pretty sure if i heat it up and it melts it's just gonna find its way into somewhere else and then freeze there but whatever you say coach That's, that blows my mind. So, well, how old were you at that time? Because I know you're from a place that, uh, well, let's just say it never snows. Yeah. And the coldest it gets is what, 65? No, not even, man. The closest, the coldest it gets to where I'm from is maybe 74. That's like the coldest it'll ever get. That's the coldest you ever experienced in your life growing up. God, I, I, I grew up at like, it could get like negative 20 sometimes. Ooh, see, see, now imagine going from 74 and then hitting, hitting where we were in Iraq, where it dropped to zero. That was just a full body shock. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And you're deployed in a desert. So you probably didn't pack like you were going to experience uh, snow. Like I know when I was in Afghanistan, um, now I was up in the mountains, right? But that being said, uh, we had the Hindu Kush mountains all around us and they were like 18,000 foot peaks, you know, pretty, pretty big. And, uh, there was, there'd be snow on them sometimes into July, but it never really snowed down where I was at, but you would more expect it to snow there than Iraq. But that being said, um, you wouldn't get the snow, but for some reason you would get this wind in the wintertime that would whip through there and it would... Now, it wouldn't get to, like, negative temperatures, but, I mean, there were some nights it got down to, like, low 20s, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and just absolutely. So, I'd rather have, because snow, you, it's got to be at least 32 degrees, right, to have snow. So, I'd almost rather have the, the snow, because, you know, it's a little warmer rather than wind and, like, 20 degrees, because that's just, it's horrendous. But but you also start your deployment, right? And we've talked about this before, uh, maybe on here or offline, but... Uh, you start out, you get deployed and you show up in April and you're like, all right, well, you know, I'm only supposed to be there through August. So, uh, you know, warm weather gear it is. And you pack all that stuff. And then lo and behold, about a week before you go home, Hey, you're extended till when till we tell you great. So next thing you know, it's November and you're like, this is, 
horseshit as you're again standing outside waiting for the air crew to take off like son of a bitch <laughs> he said please just fly <laughs> go, away. go away i just want to go home <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> i need to i need you to go away so i can go away you <laughs> yeah, should go away so i can go away i need coffee i got kids you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> Now, to the flip side of that, there are places where it's just insanely hot, you know, of course, deserts, and then we also have like tropical areas, they can get super hot over there, but that's a different level of hot, that's like, that's humidity, I'm in a, I'm in a sauna hot, like it's probably not as hot as you think it should be, but it just feels that way, because it's all humid and muggy, yeah, like you said, yeah, like I've worked down in the, I've worked down in Houston before and you walk out of the door at 4 a.m. and the air is just so heavy because of all the moisture in it. And then they got mosquitoes that sound like small Cessna aircraft. They're so goddamn big. They got that. <laughs> this thing will drain you if it gets a hold of me, you know? <laughs> it's like that. Um, what's that one Will Ferrell movie when they they fall into the land of the dinosaurs? Um, uh, land of the Lost, I think it was called. Or is it Journey to the Center of the Earth? No, I think that? that was I think that was the rock. But anyway, oh. there was this one scene where there's mis- like this prehistoric pterodactyl of a mosquito like goes and bites uh, the one of the main characters in the neck and you can see this guy turning pale just because of all the blood that's getting sucked out of him. <laughs> yeah, if you're working in like a tropical place, it's almost like that like the mosquitoes in Jumanji. Remember that thing? Punching yeah. through the roof of the car? Yeah. yeah. Got yeah. like swords for for um, whatever you call it, the mouth of a mosquito. A syringe? I have no idea. Blood sucking bastards. <laughs> a sword for a needle, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a sword. So, and then going to the hot side, like the dry, hot. It's miserable hot. Like I've been in areas where it will get up to upwards of 130 some degrees. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When that happens, the tarmac turns into a frying pan. Like you can feel your shoes melting on your feet as you're standing there. So I went to a couple of places like that too, and uh, and I was we just opened the site, right? We were the first people in there, set up shop, everything else, you know. And uh, and you learned real fast that if you're out there launching a bird, you can't stand in one spot for too long. You have to literally, you're standing there like lifting one leg up and the other one down and back and forth like that constantly because your shoes will start to melt, melt right to the rim. It got so hot that like on uh, some of the aircraft that we had uh, electric servos on, we'd have to soak rags. We had a cooler full of like ice and cold water and we'd have to put rags in there and soak them down and lay them over the tops of the wings where those servos would be at. And the aircraft would have to taxi out to the end of the flight line with those on it, and then we'd go and snag them off right before it took off, just to keep the temperatures low enough so the things would Right. But I told guys like, like, hey, I'm getting ready to go out there. You know, the guys who were coming to replace us, like, hey, what should I bring? Uh, well, we ain't got shit here. So as much as you think you'll need, uh, you know, like you know, guys getting to lifting or whatever, like protein powder, uh, extra clothes. But how many months are you going to be there? Well, they tell me I'm going to be there six months. Cool. We'll bring eight pairs of shoes. Because you will burn through one pair of shoes a month. So have at least, and if, let's say you burn through a pair quicker, you'll have one spare and then one spare to wear home. Going to the bodybuilders of it all, because you get the ones who are just all about lifting and getting jacked and tan. And for some reason, like all these uh, supplement uh, stores, they deliver 
everywhere. I don't know how they do it. They have their own airdrop or whatnot, but they can deliver anywhere. Well, just like we talked about in the last episode, ain't nothing stopping a jingle truck from making ain't, that delivery. Ain't nothing stopping the jingle truck, right? Absolutely. <laughs> now, I don't know the science behind all this, but those supplements, they dehydrate you. So I've seen a bunch of guys who are all about to getting jacked and tan. Oh, yeah. What's and, the ones? Uh, animal cuts? You ever heard of those? Yeah. Yeah. Matter yeah, of fact, those will, those will put people over the top. So a lot of guys, you know, they, they, that's like the only in some places, that's the only thing you can do is just work and work out. Yep. And so some people, they really get committed to getting themselves big. They'll take these supplements in 130 degree weather and they'll just drink whatever they consider is their normal intake of water. Yeah, one or two, uh, one or two plastic bottles a day. Not even the big one liter bottles that they used yeah. to bring over to us on pallets, but like just your normal eight ounce, eight eight ounce bottle or whatever else. Yeah. And uh, they'll drink two of those a day, and then uh, wonder why they got a headache and why their pee is uh, pee is uh, green. <laughs> that's from the vitamins, but yeah, whatever. No, that's from all the monster energy they've been pounding all the goddamn day besides the water. Well, I'm getting blue in. Yeah, that's not. No, that's from the from all the all the chemicals that they absorb while working. You know, not practicing. See, you're radioactive, man. So, <laughs> you're glowing, dude. <laughs> I know on the military side of things, you typically, especially Marines, you're not going to have any uh, big guys. And what I mean by big is overweight because they got they got fit, fitness tests. They got a, they got a pass. They got all this stuff. But on the civilian side, from where I came from. We had a guy in just like one of the locations we're talking about, hot as hell, middle of summer. And he was about 420 pounds, 420 pounds. And he didn't like water. So all he would drink. Yeah. Yeah. All he would drink is, is uh, Gatorade. He would drink three Gatorades and like three Cokes a day. Nah, that's probably being generous on the Cokes. I, he at least had three Cokes before lunch. So way to set yourself up for failure, friend. Well, then, but but beyond that, but on top of that, he smoked like a freight train. Jesus. So he probably went through two or three packs a day on deployment. Jesus. As, you know, and and he was out in the ramp one day, and it was 124, uh, about 124 degrees that day. And we're moving around. We're putting the cold rags on top of the wings. We're doing this. We're moving around. We got trying to get like the little cooling units, you know, again to the aircraft to keep it as cool as possible. Uh, you know, moving around fuel, getting everything set up for flight, prepping for flight. And he's, uh, he's slow moving. I mean, I'm talking like he's slow moving anyways, <laughs> but, but this was like one of those, like real slow trudging. Like you're just kind of running circles around him. He's got that labored breathing going on and just, yeah, that onset, um, heat and, injury. And, and the worst part on top of that is he wasn't sweating anymore. Oh yeah. No, and I was like, and I was like, Hey, Hey man, you got to, uh, why don't you go back inside, homie? Like we'll, we'll me and the other guy, we'll launch this one. It ain't no big deal. And he was like, well, uh, no, man, I want to help you guys out. And I'm like, well, all right, you can bring the fuel truck up. Right. Cause the our fuel trucks at least had AC in them. Well, when they worked, <laughs> uh, I was like, you can bring the fuel truck up around for us and just sitting, you know, so he went and got the fuel truck and then he pulled it up, but he couldn't get out of the truck cause it was still too hot. So I started to go over and grab the fuel line connected to the aircraft, fuel it up, disconnect, reel back up from him, and he just took the truck and parked it. But I eventually got to the point where I was like, hey, uh, you know, you got to uh, you got to go inside, man. He's like, no, 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 I want to help out. I said, you, you can't do it, man. I said, if you keel over out here, if you pass, if you faint in the middle of this ramp, you're going to sizzle. You're going to sizzle on this ramp. And I said, and you're too big for me to get 
to get you off the ramp. I said, so I'm going to have to run and get a forklift to drive back over here to roll you on it to then take you back over to the building and get you to help. Jesus. I said, because, because us two out here, the other two guys are like, both of us together aren't going to be able to carry you. I said, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just looking out for your, your health at this point. Right. I said, I said, and you're, you know, and it, you know, he wasn't one of those guys because of the size who would try to get out of work or whatever else. He was a worker. I mean, he would work. Right. But, uh, for by all means, don't turn into a heat injury or a heat casualty. Cause once you get on that tarmac, you're basically turning into bacon. You're, you're turning into bacon one way or another. And that's just, that's even if you, that's for people who just fall on the tarmac, you can also become a heat casualty just standing on the plane, you know? And I, I, I can tell you many times where I climb aboard an aircraft and it's so hot that I burn my skin touching it. It's, it's like, it's the equivalent of touching a stove for all of you who don't know, especially when it gets that hot, even with uh, protective gear on or without even touching the aircraft when it's on. This is just an aircraft that's been sitting in the sun, baking in the sun with the panels fully on and whatnot. And you just so happen to touch apart bare skin and it burns the, the life out of you. BP, you've ever seen um, like Thor Ragnarok or some movie about Vikings where you have the big flaming giant with a huge skyscraper of a sword it's just flaming and ready oh to yeah just... he's, he's the one who brings the end of the world and and, and uh and essentially brings upon ragnarok which is the end of the world right what the heck was his name uh cert cert the brave i think is what they call him Serter, yeah Seder or something like that so, yeah. yeah there's different Serter. ways and I, i'm gonna butcher it every time so i'm just not gonna try anyways that's the f- the feeling he gets when he carries that big flaming sword like oh, i have everything i will kill everybody that's the feeling i got when I touch the wrench that's been sitting on the sun with my bare hands. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, uh, and it, and it can just take a couple of minutes. Right. So you like leave the wrench laying on top of the wing or something. Cause you're like, Oh, I forgot a tool. Damn. So you climb back down, you grab another tool, come back up and literally your hand now, the palm of your hand now says craftsman or snap on or some shit. <laughs> In the middle, because it's burned into your, you, got, you essentially got branded like a, yeah. like a piece of livestock, you know. Yeah, and that's how it literally feels. I I, I touch the branding guy like, oh, you have the power, <laughs> but you try not to sound like a bitch in front of everybody, so you try to sound all, like, oh. ah, yeah, you're, you're like, oh yeah, fuck it, yeah, I love the pain, God, yeah. Or you throw it, you just spike it on the ground like you were mad about something. And everybody thinks you're a sado, sadomasochist after that. Like, right. fuck yeah, bring on the pain. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've gone over cold. We've gone over Hell's Inferno. We've talked a little bit about wind. Uh, we can always expound on that if you'd like to. Essentially, like where, where uh, Six and I live now, wind's a daily occurrence. And I'm talking like, on average, anywhere from 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. Uh, constant and that's every day and they pick up around uh, 1500 local every day and you just can't there's no way of getting around it now if you're working on aircraft that are a little heavier and have some ass behind them and no and some with some engine power you know it's not a big deal but uh, for some of the lighter aircraft it'll just throw them all out of uh, whack and as six has seen before you know it'll 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 crash a plane Yep. Some areas, well, especially our area, it's like a soup bowl. Like the wind has nowhere to go, just but make circles within. Oh like, yeah, with the dust devils and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. like within like a five mile radius, it's just a like we're in a toilet seat of of wind. <laughs> well, and how and how many times a day have you seen like like you walk in the door at work, right? Because well, you know, like in the afternoon, you're like, all right, well, the wind's coming from the west, and then about two hours later, you walk outside, and the wind's coming from the east. You're like, whoa. 
what the hell make up your mind you know yeah it's like just and screw both screw both those directions we're coming from the south now yay <laughs> god now, i have seen times where the wind's different at different um distances like where i'm standing it's blowing east to west but if i go 200 yards in front of me it's blowing west to east it just does like the z zigzag pattern Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then we're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's going that way, but then it's going that way. So which one do I listen to? And that's when you're on the ground. Now, you get in the air, you get into a whole whole another soup worth of things. That's going into science at that point. Like, or, yeah, or sometimes you'll have perfect weather on the ground, and at, uh, at 5,000 feet, you got 60-mile-an-hour uh, winds, you know, crosswinds that are just throwing the aircraft and all around. Like, you're riding on that thing, you're you're on the – you know, tilt a hurl. Or like this human washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you throw a brick inside of a washing machine and put it on the spin cycle. No, no, stop. <laughs> it's the worst ride ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but a lot of people who schedule operations, flight operations, I think they disregard the weather or they have like this secret rain stick or magic amulet or something that they feel controls the weather. It's kind of like when you have this uh, elderly grandparent who tells you that the weather's going to be uh, weather X based on how their elbow feels or how their toe wiggles or something like that. Oh, it's my toes wiggling to the left. It's going to rain. It hasn't, oh, rained, yeah. in, it yeah, hasn't yeah. rained in like yeah. seven months. My, my mother's that way. My mother's that way. Hmm, my left leg hurts today. It's probably going to rain. And you know what? You know what's crazy? Nine times out of 10, it rains. Right. Where she, where she lives at. She don't live. She doesn't live in the same area as me. She lives on the other end of the country, but yeah, where it rains more, but yeah, it's the same thing. She's like, Oh, my left leg's sore, but it's going to rain. And sure enough. Well, I don't know what it is, but they, they need to get with your mother or someone else where that calibration actually works and get it fixed because they, they schedule stuff. I don't know what's their common sense behind it, but they do it. And then they see and they see the weather coming in, weather reports, outside observation reports, everything. And they said, it's a good day to fly today. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. We got to make our metrics look good so we can show uh, the higher ups and everything that uh, we're really doing it. And I'm like, the, the only reason I, I think that they continue to put things on weather hold for hours with no, we all know there's no chance in hell of it going, but they're, they'll sit there in chalks, the engine's running for hours on end. It's like, well, it, it might give up eventually is because there's got to be some sort of monetary kickback. There's got to be some sort of incentive, incentive that they get for scheduling things the way they do. Because anybody with any common sense would be like, yeah, scrub the flight. This shit ain't happening today. Yeah. And then, like you said, to just sit in chalks for hours upon hours, like, you know, this thing's going to cancel, but for whatever reason or another, they're just sitting there or worse is they know the weather's bad, but they, they get pushed to be in the plane. They get pushed to take it to the runway. Like they're going to take off knowing full weather or not. And then the whole time they're the air crews radioing back to ops saying, Hey, can we please cancel? Can we please not? And then you hear whoever the guys in ops say like, well, did you try to take off with the weather? Did you sit there and wait for the weather to clear? Yeah, so then, then what they do is they taxi to the end of the runway, spin around like they're going to take off, and go, yeah, it's still crappy over here, uh, 200 yards away from where we were just at. So, uh, And then Ops is like, all right, I guess you can cancel now. And you're like, just 
Why? Why, <laughs> Why waste all that time, money, and, and resources? Time, right. You, you know, when I see ops do stuff like that, it reminds me of that, that clown meme. You know what I'm talking about? Where the guy's like getting dressed to be a clown and then each step is just progressively stupider. Like, go ahead. The weather's just going to clear up and he puts more clown makeup on. Yeah. And then when he finally puts the wig on to look like a full-on clown. And the he wig just and says, the red nose, yeah. Yeah, and he puts the, <laughs> when he puts it all, the whole getup on and he goes, oh, it's, uh, it's on time late. Yeah, on time call, late. We're going to call this one an on time late because we got to the runway on time. Yeah, but we didn't take off. It was an on time cancel. Uh, that doesn't, you can only have one or the other. It was either on time taken off or the flight canceled. Well, we were on time because uh, uh, we taxied out there, but you know, then the weather ultimately canceled. Right, so we canceled for weather. No, no, we were on time canceled. Like, what are the metrics for at this point? Well, the metrics will show good when we, when we show them for the, the monthly meeting, and you're like, that doesn't, we're just lying at this point. Uh, how, did you just, can, how did you cancel uh, on time? How do you know <laughs> that you canceled on time? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that doesn't make sense We all. knew we were going to cancel at this exact time. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we put this aircraft on the flight schedule to just cancel it. That's what the mission, that's what the mission, op, yeah, the mission, the mission code was. Yeah. Uh, prep for cancel. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more or less what it seems like you know when certain people i don't know i, I really want to i question the validity of their sense or even their education at some point because you know it's not gonna go you know the weather is gonna mess with it but yet we still prep it as if it's just not gonna happen now granted sometimes the the, the weather reports you get is less than accurate or but that's with weather in general weather is unpredictable even with the the smartest minds, they sit in the room, they're not going to be right all the time. Yeah, I mean, you, you're still not going to, you're still not going to uh, know what Tafiti thinks, you know, yeah. uh, to give a little Moana reference there, huh? <laughs> Maui took the stone, we're all screwed, stop, stop. Stop, yeah. <laughs> till we get this back, till we get his magical fish hook to make things happen, we're, we're got, we got to cancel. But hey, it's insane. It, like I said, the only reason is there's some sort of incentive some sort of monetary kickback but if you schedule this many planes despite whether they cancel or not you get this x amount of bonus every year and it's like that because otherwise otherwise it's just wasting time and money like you already said so that's that's, that's the only reason there's no there's no other explanation in my eyes now is somebody out there who is a i'm, a, I'm air quoting here flight scheduler <laughs> uh, who wants to uh who wants to give us their input on that and why they do things great but uh from from a maintainer's perspective you're uh 90 of the time you're a fool <laughs> when it comes to weather i believe that whoever's in charge of ops and if weather was a person they would be sitting along each alongside each other in a little tea table with their pinky out and everything and go have we screwed over the maintenance crews today i yeah. do i do i do believe oh Thank God. I do hate those dreadful maintenance personnel. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me another crumpet. Yeah, well, we, we made them stay late yesterday. So uh, how else can we get them today? Ah, let's just uh, weather hold it for uh, six hours. Oh, fantastic. They have nothing better to do. They don't have lives. <laughs> Brilliant, Watson. <laughs> they probably don't even have souls at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just like the most obnoxious, rich person laugh ever, right? <laughs> yeah. Like like in Family Guy, remember the character Lord Bottom Tooth? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god! Just just um, like that. That's how I picture schedulers. They're all Lord Bottom Tooth. <laughs> all right, six. So, what do you got for some closing closing thoughts here? Well, I can't say that you know weather is as I as we've been saying is very unpredictable. There's going to be times where you just you're just not going to be ready. You can do the best that you can, but in most cases, you just got to roll with it. Now, for those who are ops. You guys got to listen to the maintainers when they say that, yeah, this doesn't sound like a good idea. Sounds like we're setting up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think this is more a takeaway for the guys who do the scheduling or do ops. Like you got to listen to the maintainers because although we, yes, we do grumble about having to work and all this and that we know what we're doing and we're not going to, if, if we can make the flight go, we can make the flight go, but we, we call the bullshit card when we see it. And sometimes that pisses people off. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you err on the side of safety. And uh, even though they won't like it, they can't really argue with you because uh, if something ha- goes, they decide to push for the flight and something happens uh, with a negative outcome, uh, their ass is held liable too. So they, uh, they'll, they'll fight you on it, but they won't, uh, you can't be uh, waylaid for it. Right. I mean, as long as you do stuff by the book, you know, you're not going to be wrong. You can't go wrong. Now we'll go into something about the books not being right, but that's another, that's another topic for another episode. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. Now, for those of you listening, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, check us out on cancelformaintenance.com. We have some swag that are coming on. We'll post it on the site, on our shop section, you know, buy our, buy our stuff. It supports our podcast. It supports us having to give a shoreline a reason to keep doing what he's doing. And we keep, and if you guys have some ideas that you want us to talk about, shoot it our way at cancelformaintenance at gmail.com. Or if you want to be a guest, if you want to be a guest onto the podcast, Send the same way, send a line and we'll do what we can get you on the show. Yeah. We'll try to respond to you in a timely manner and uh, do what we can to uh, make that dream become reality. Uh, my final thoughts are remember mother nature hates you, but not as much as flight ops MVP six and shoreline out. <laughs>